Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Our sermon lesson this morning will be based on Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 13 will serve as the basis for our sermon this morning. Would you please remain standing as we read it, as is our tradition to give honor and glory to the words and the work of Jesus. Luke 13. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you came from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves will be thrown out. People will come from east and west, north and south, and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first will be last. The gospel of our Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Vibrant. That is how she described our ministry. She said, Pastor Matt, it sounds like you have been blessed. Your church, God's people in Fredericksburg, they've been blessed with a vibrant ministry. I should probably back up, tell you guys this, that it was maybe just over a week and a half ago that I got to talk to somebody who is a complete stranger to our ministry, to what we're doing here, but they're really interested. They wanted to know how our church was doing. And whenever people ask me how our church is doing, what's, what's been happening, I kind of treat it like when people ask me how my kids are doing. I want to share enough with them. Enough because I know they care enough to ask. I want to share enough to let them know my kids are doing well, they're healthy, they're growing, but I don't want to like share too much. I don't want to like go on with every little detail that little Johnny did this past week because I, well, I don't want to offend them. Like I don't want them to think that my entire world and their world revolves around my kids. So I share enough, right? That's kind of it. Like someone asked me how the way church is doing. I wanted to share, you know, enough to let them know and thank them for caring, but they kept asking questions. They wouldn't stop. They called me up the next day and they wanted to still know more about our congregation. So I told her about our history, about what's happened here, about our plans for the future under God's grace. And she said to me, Matt, 
God has blessed the way church with a vibrant ministry. I thought, wow, praise God for that. And then I had an internal conflict because I sat down and I began to prepare for the sermon message today. And I did so by looking at the text from Luke's gospel that I just read to you. And my first thought was this, terrifying. That is absolutely a terrifying message from God's word. Why in the world would you share it with a vibrant church on the anniversary celebration of their fifth year in ministry? I mean, why would you do it? Why would you possibly terrify people after there's so many good things that we could talk about, that we could praise God that over the past five years, people have grown closer to their savior through the mission and the ministry of this church. We could stop and we could thank God for the fact that that people have grown to know God's word more deeply because of what we're doing here. People have not only grown to know God's word more deeply, they've grown to understand God's promises more fully and how they apply to their lives. They've grown to understand how God's unconditional forgiveness is just that. It is completely unconditional for them. People have grown to understand how their call, their purpose, their vocation in life, well, they've grown to see that more clearly. So why would we share this message that is at its base level a terrifying one? Why this today? A message for God's people that basically sums up God's word this way, saying, if you think you're in, be careful, because you might not be. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at a hard truth of what God's word has to say. And we're going to look at what it says in general. What does this text, this reading from Luke's gospel say, period, end of story. And second, we're going to look at what it says to the way church specifically, what it says to a group of God's people gathered together around his word to celebrate all the good things that God's word gives to them, to pray that God continues to bless his word here as we look to carry it out. So that's what we're doing. What does this text say? And and what does it say specifically to you and to me, the way church? So let's start with that. What is this text have to say? Well, here's a little bit of context. Luke chapter 13. Our lesson began with saying that Jesus was teaching and preaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. A few chapters back, Jesus did what? He set his face like flint as he made his way to Jerusalem because he knew what was going to happen there. He knew he was going to suffer. He knew he was going to die. Chapter 11, Jesus sends out the 72. He sends out his disciples to go and and share the gospel, the message of repentance, the message of the kingdom of God. And then he welcomes those disciples back and he starts to teach them, to teach them about some very fundamental, foundational, important truths of his word. He teaches them about prayer. He teaches them about faith. He teaches them about the need for repentance and and God's gift of forgiveness. He gives them warnings of what's to come. He gives them encouragements that the Holy Spirit will be with them as they go through hard times. And then we get to this. Luke chapter 13, where Jesus is is still teaching and preaching about these important things. And someone raises their hand and says, "Ah, hey, teacher, Jesus Quick question, but only a few, you think? 
You think there's going to be a lot or a little, only a few people going to be in heaven? Like, Jesus, tell me, how many are going to be there? And just to step back and maybe give you an illustration for how outrageous and comical this question is, think about this. You're already thinking about it, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to break kind of my rule of not giving too many sports analogies because this Sunday is the kickoff of the NFL season. I'm going to give you an NFL analogy, all right? Imagine this. Imagine that you are a rookie wide receiver. You just got drafted by an NFL team. You just made it through training camp. You just got signed to be on the team. You just earned a starting position. And now you're here. It's the very first game and you're sitting in the locker room and your head coach is is really giving a summary of the game plan one more time. All right, imagine that. Imagine that is you. And then at that moment, your coach says, hey, do you have any more questions? And you raise your hand and you ask him, hey, coach, how many people are at the game today? Do you think the stadium's full or not full today? How do you think the coach would respond to that? He would look at you and be like, no, 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 no. I'm not even gonna answer that question. Your job, rookie wide receiver, is just this. Catch the ball. Just, just focus on this one thing. Do everything you can to see it into your hands and catch it. That's what you need to do. Don't worry about how many tickets were sold. Don't worry about if your mom and dad made it to their seats on time. Just just focus on that. And that's what Jesus does today. He looks at the question that, that his disciples ask and he doesn't even answer it. He doesn't even go there. You wanna know if there's gonna be a lot or little people in heaven? Jesus says, no, no, no. This is what this text is about. Are you ready? You. You, make sure you are there. Make sure that you make every effort to be there. And then he tells a parable. He tells a story to illustrate, well, who gets to be there? If you're following along with our sermon guide on page nine, well, we're gonna do some multiple choice. What does this mean? Jesus said it. He said, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. So how do you make every effort? What does it it mean to make every effort? Well, Jesus gave some examples. What does it mean to, to have heaven, to have salvation? He gives the example of the person who said, hey, we, we ate and we drank with you. In other words, we have some connection to you. We are Christians. That's the term. That's the name. We, we have some connection. Well, superficial, yeah, but I'm a member of a church. Jesus says, what about that? Is it just some connection to the church? Is that it? You know, we hung out with you. We ate and drank. We're associated. Just says, no. How about, how about this? Is that well, you taught in our streets. In other words, we understand what this is all about. We have some foundational understandings of the Christian faith. Yeah, well, maybe the whole religion and church thing isn't for me, but I get it. I know I'm there. I have some connection. I'm, I'm there on Easter. I'm there on Christmas. I get it. I know what this story is about. I understand. I have some understanding. What what does it mean to make every effort 
to enter through the narrow door? Is it, is it about having some connection or having some understanding? Well, look at Jesus' reply. Jesus says, verse 27, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, you evildoers. He continues on. He talks to the people who say, well, what about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? We're their descendants. We have some history here. Is that what it means to enter through the narrow door? That, that we have some history, that we grew up in the church. We, we helped found this church. We've been a part of this church for, well, as long as I can remember. Our kids were baptized in this church. We were married in the church. Is that what it's about? Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Is it, is it about having some connection? Is it about having some understanding of what Christianity is about? Is it about, well, having some history? I have, I have some history here. Now, Jesus responds to that. He says, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom, but you yourselves are thrown out. So what does it mean to make every effort to enter through the narrow door? How about this? It means not to have some understanding or, or some connection or, or even to have some history, but it means to have someone. It means to have the one who describes himself as the gate, as the way, as the door, and then tells illustrations to, to illustrate who he is and how it is that you get to him. It's through him. You have someone named Christ Jesus, your savior. Martin Luther, re reflecting on this passage, asked this question, why not? Why are some not able to enter through this narrow door? Why will many try to enter and not be able to, he wrote. It's because they do not know what the narrow door is. It is faith in Christ, which makes a person small, even nothing, so that he must despair of all his works and only cling to the grace of God, abandoning everything else, abandoning everything else, but of course, it's the saints. He's referring to saints here sarcastically. He says, but it's the saints that think that good works are the narrow door. That's the reason why they don't become small at all, that they do not despair of their works, but rather they gather together in big bags. They hang them around their necks and then they try to go through the narrow door and they will go through, yeah, just like a camel with its large hump can go through the eye of a needle. Do you understand what this text is saying? It's saying that there is one way to enter through the narrow door. There's one way through salvation, and it's with empty hands. It's with nothing over your back. It's not with a whole huddle of trophies in your hands about how you have maintained some connection or have some understanding or have some history or whatever other ways we define what we've done, look to gather good works for ourselves to approach God, it's simply this. It's abandoning all of that. And with nothing in our hands, we bring simply to the cross of Christ we cling. We humbly admit that we have nothing of our own 
but only through him and by his grace alone can we enter in. That's what this text says. That's it. That's it. It it seems terrifying, but it actually has some very good news about it, that you know the narrow door. You know the way. You know the way to salvation, and it's through Christ. So now let's talk about this. What does this text say to this church? To you and to me. A church that can look back on five years of God's grace and under his grace will look forward to a future of his promises and blessings. I want to take a look at these passages and do so under really the heading or the banner of a value that we've talked about at this church since the first time this church ever met together. If you have a pen and you're filling in the blanks, here's our value. It's this, that we are here, and it continues on below, we are here for those who are not here yet. The first time we gathered together, we talked about what this idea, this mantra, this value means, that we are here, and we are here for those who are not here yet. What does this value, what does this idea mean? Well, it simply means this, that we who are here presently, who are here chronologically, who know that we have salvation through Christ Jesus, well, we're here not merely for ourselves, but we know what verse 29 is going to get at, that people are going to come and, well, we're here for those who aren't here yet, that that in the terms of the first will be last and the last will be first, that we who are here first in terms of chronological order will take a step back to be here for, well, those who aren't here so that they too can enter through the narrow door. How do we apply this? Well, as we've thought through different things over our church's history, we think this way. We think because we're here for those who aren't here yet, we, we pick a name, not merely for ourselves, but one that will have meaning and, and hope for those who aren't here yet. As we think through different events, different ways that we can serve and reach out to this community, we think not really what just we enjoy, although that's part of it, but we think about those people who who aren't here yet and how sharing the gospel in this way will bless them and and benefit them. We think about how we're going to design our Christian education for adults, and we think, okay, well, we could gather together on a Sunday morning and have Bible class here, but, but what about those who aren't here yet? What if, we, what if we went out into our homes and into our community and well, we gathered together in small groups and, and study God's word that way? Because that's why we're here. We're here for those who aren't here yet. You get the idea, right? But there's one key word, one crucial, critical idea in that idea that well, I don't know if we always understand or remember I want you to circle it, underline it if you do have a pen. And it's here that, that we are here. And I want to pause this morning and ask, do we understand what it means to be here? Because we can't be here for those who aren't here yet if we're not here. What does it mean to be here? You think about this. You think about what it means to show up, what it means to be a part of God's church. 
and ask yourself how often we've defined our engagement with the mission and the ministry of God's church on a personal level in terms of some connection. Yeah, well, I have some connection to this church. I, I serve on a setup team or a tech team or a kids team, and that's, that's how I'm a part of this. I have some understanding. Well, of course, I'm here. I'm a part of it. I, I graduated from foundations. Of course, I'm, I have some history here. I'm someone who helped start this. I'm someone who's been here, well, <laughs> since day one. Whenever we define our connection, our engagement with, with God's ministry and, and what it means to be here, in terms of those things, it's missing the point of, of what it means to make every effort to enter through the narrow door. To make every effort through the narrow door. What does that mean? Well, here's what we know. Jesus Christ himself is the way through that door. Jesus Christ himself said, I am the one who gives faith. You don't get it. You don't choose it. You don't earn it. You don't create it in your heart. I give faith. And back up two foundations. What is the only way to get that faith? It's through Jesus's word, the gospel. It's through his sacraments and through his promises. And so what does it mean to actually be here and to be here in the way that Christ wants us to be here? Instead of according to some connection or some idea, some understanding of, well, how we define us being here, some history of maybe what our past has looked like us being here. What does it mean to make every effort to enter through the narrow door? It means to be here around God's word and sacrament. It means to make every effort to be here around his word and sacrament, to be here at worship, not just because, of course, that's what church is. Of course, that's what I'm supposed to do. But to be here and to make every effort to be here because what happens here? Repentance and forgiveness. We make ourselves last by confessing our sins to the Lord. And he makes us first by proclaiming to us his promises of the gospel, of unconditional forgiveness. We make every effort to hear God's word, to hear the preaching and his teaching of his word, because there is no other way to enter through the narrow gate. There isn't. We make every effort to celebrate God's word and his sacrament to partake of that, because there is no other way to enter through the narrow gate. That word, make every effort, it's actually just one word that Jesus spoke. It's agnizomai, and you hear the word agony in it. It's this word to strive, to compete, to strive against all agony and against all hardships to do a thing. And Jesus says, you want to enter in through me? Make every effort. Make every effort in your personal lives to meditate on my word. And you ask yourself, do you? Or do you just you know, fall back on some understanding. Well, I'm, I know some, I'm good. I know he forgives me unconditionally. And in that way, abuses grace. Do you define it by some connection? I'm a member. I'm a member of the church. I, I know I get to take communion. 
some history. I, I've been here before. Or do you strive to make every effort in terms of how we think about our week to get together with people in group to study God's word? Do we make every effort? Because the, the truth of what Jesus says next is it's rather jarring. He will say to people who persist in some understanding or, or some history or some connection that they define in this way. He'll say, I don't know you. I don't know where you came from me. And he will refer to those people who persist in that way as not his brothers or sister, but as evildoers. Ask yourself, will you be surprised one day to just wake up and think that here, I've been striving. I've been making every effort all along, but you're not even on the path. You're not even on the way. You're not even on the, if I can use the illustration, the front steps leading up to the doorstep to the narrow door. You're in some other field or yard completely because you've been there and been striving by your own understanding, your own history. Or have you made every effort to cling to the cross? It's right that these are terrifying words. And I have to... I had a moment where I thought, you know, they're not even worth sharing with a vibrant church. But then what these words do is really give us pause to reflect on, on why we're vibrant, on what we're reliant to be vibrant. Is it some activity? Is it some connection? Or is it our connection with God's word and sacrament? Because as terrifying as these words are, there's also a promise here. You read it, you heard it. Jesus says, indeed, those who are last will be first and the first who will be last. And there you see Jesus completely backwards, completely world-tipping understanding of grace. That the moment that we look at our lives and realize that by some connection, some understanding, some history of our own, we've defined our relationship with God, the moment we empty our hands and say, you're right, none of this is what earns my favor with you, we go to the back of the line in terms of how this world works. We, we lessen ourselves. We, we make ourselves small. But what does Jesus do at that exact moment? He puts those people to the very front of the line. He puts them right in front of the door and says, you are mine and I am yours. As terrifying as these words are, there is a promise here. There is a promise here that Jesus is describing to you exactly how he works, that it's completely backwards. The first will be last, the last will be first. And when we think to ourselves that I am first in terms of how I've come to believe or where I'm at today, at that moment, we're at the very end of the line. But at the very moment we're at the end of the line, we realize that it's not us who got here by any way. That is what Jesus does. He brings us to the forefront to see his full, unconditional grace. The question that you might be asking yourself is this point is, well, so where am I in line? Am I first or am I last or am I somewhere in the middle? Well, to that question, Jesus would address it the same way as Coach, how many are in attendance today? He would say it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where you are in line. The point is this. Make every effort to be in line. And that is the good news here, is that oftentimes when we hear these words, people think that, oh my goodness, the moment that I'm last, I'm kicked out of line. But no, circle it again, underline it, because this is also the good news. You're here. 
you're here. We're here together, gathered around his word and his sacrament, gathered together with Christian sisters and brothers to encourage one another and build one another up and point each other to that narrow door, who is the way, the truth, and the source for all our life. So what's left? What's left for us to do? Well, look at verse 29. People will come. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. The neat thing about this parable and this teaching of God's word is that he builds it in, his unending mission and will for the church, that people will come. His urgent, urgent mission that he will gather together people from all corners of the world, north, south, east, west. They will come here. There will be people gathered on my rock. So the only question left is, will they be here because we're not here? Or will they be here because we're here? We're here making every effort to enter through the narrow gate and we're doing so for those who aren't here yet. I said before that, that what this section of God's word does is it, it makes us assess our lives. It's kind of like when, when oftentimes when people are looking to make a dietary change in their life, they will say, well, I'm, I'm eating really healthy. I'm not, I'm not doing any cheat days. And then often what a doctor or a dietitian will do is, is they'll ask them. They'll ask them to, to journal and write down everything that they eat and they consume over a given day. And then they'll go and they'll, they'll write down how every time I walk through the kitchen, I grab a bag of peanut M&Ms and how my wife makes cookie bars for the church picnic. And I walk by and I see that there's a whole plate full and then there's an extra pile that I just maybe have two or three. Okay, maybe this is turning into self-confession here. But what you start to do is you, you write down and you see that, oh, I, I actually do consume a lot more not-so-nutritional things after all. And so here's what God's word, what I'm challenging you to do with this. Maybe journal, or maybe just ask yourself, have you made every effort? Are you making every effort to enter through the narrow gate? Because the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, the way, the narrow door. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. And while there are those who hate the church and strive to see it fail against both foe and traitor, this church, not only this small C church, God willing, but the big C church ever will prevail. The church of God will remain forever and ever. It will go on and it will welcome people in from the north, the south, and the east and the west. And I want to be here. I want to be here for that. I want us to be here together for that. And so ask yourself, will you be here? Will you be here making every effort to not only have yourself enter through that narrow gate, but to help those who aren't here yet enter through it as well? May God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen.